It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. Welcome everybody, episode 7. Here. 11. We. Of the podcast. Yeah. The yeah. Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. And when I tell you, we got another loaded Monday episode, even here in late May, we got ourselves a jam-packed show. Here's what you need to know about today's show. Two bombshell reports out of the Big Ten. The first one involving former Commissioner Kevin Warren. Maybe that billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar TV deal was not quite as good as he promised. We'll explain that. Also, future Big Ten school, USC, and a little bit of murky waters as their AD Mike Bone retired. And yes, I'm using air quotes on Friday. Crazy story. But I think there is a theme and a lesson to learn from both of those stories. From there, we'll take a quick break. Keisha Johnson, one of the top players in the portal, he commits to Arizona. What does it mean for the Arizona Wildcats? And then also, what does it mean for the Kentucky Wildcats? They finish in second. This Kentucky basketball roster is not in very good shape right now. We talk about the the non-commitment of Keisha Johnson, the difference between recruiting high school players versus college players, and John Calipari, I hope you're listening, as well as uh, obviously some NIL stuff. How much does NIL really matter in recruitments like this? I'll be honest, I don't think it's as much as you guys and girls might think. Busy show, fun show, jam-packed show, so much to discuss. So with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, let me just say this. First of all, it's not really one topic, but it's two different stories in one. They kind of go together. And what's interesting is this. They say in the SEC, it just means more. Well, that might be the case of the Big Ten where we had not one, but two crazy stories in the Big Ten this weekend. And I do think they speak to something bigger than just a game or a result or a TV contract or whatever. And so let's get into it. Let's discuss both stories. The first one, very interesting bombshell report on Sunday afternoon from ESPN's Pete Thamel. The article the conversation, the the you know what the article was about was essentially this. We all remember our old buddy Kevin Warren, right? For people who don't remember the name Kevin Warren, here is who Kevin Warren was. Kevin Warren was the Big Ten commissioner for about two and a half, three years. He came in right before COVID. He was the face of the Big Ten canceling football in 2020. And then, oh, by the way, having to reinstate it after he was about to be sued by his own student athletes survives that, moves on, and to his credit, uh, was part of and negotiated that massive TV deal that we spent so much time talking about last spring and summer. The Big Ten adds UCLA and USC, and then from there, they sign a $7 billion TV deal that essentially assures every school about $70, $75, $80 million a year, the most lucrative TV deal that we've ever seen. 
And so shortly after Kevin Warren finalizes that TV deal, he ends up bouncing and leaving for the NFL. There's just one problem is that as your mom used to tell you, when something seems too good to be true, it probably is. That is exactly what happened with this TV deal. And that was essentially what Pete Thamel's article was about with ESPN, was that Kevin Warren negotiated this incredible deal worth all this money and so much money, and it's all anybody wants to talk about. And everybody, including myself, Aaron Torres, patted him on the back when it became final. But now that he's out of office, now that the new Big Ten commissioner is in, we find out that that TV deal might not be quite as good as expected. And that the new TV, uh, the new Big Ten commissioner, excuse me, has inherited all sorts of problems with that TV deal. The new TV, the new commissioner, Tony Petiti, has inherited all sorts of problems. And the problems are at the forefront of keeping his schools happy and his TV partners happy as a quick refresher. First of all, keep in mind that the TV contract, as you remember, it was between the big 10 and Fox, NBC and CBS. And as I said, it was for about a billion dollars a year, 70, $80 million a year per school. And it was seen as this watershed, unbelievable moment for college sports. Well, according to Thamel's article, now that Kevin Warren is out of office, there are quite a few issues with it. One, apparently Kevin Warren, promised a Big Ten championship game to NBC that he was not authorized to promise. Again, three different TV partners. They are now going to rotate the Big Ten championship game between NBC, Fox, and CBS. And in 2026, Kevin Warren just said, hey, NBC, here's your here's your Big Ten championship game. Can we close this deal? Let's sign the paperwork today. He didn't really have the authority to do it. And it could now cost the schools, the 16 Big Ten schools, Upwards of $40 million total, about four $5 million per school to make that right. That is not the only make good that the Big Ten has to do with their TV partners, as they also could potentially owe Fox upwards of $25 million. That is for some deliverables that were promised. That's a marketing PR term. There were deliverables that were promised to Fox during that Big Ten season with COVID when there were no fans in the stands. They promised a certain number of whatever. They did not deliver. Now they may owe Fox $25 million per school. This one, though, is the interesting one. Okay, so if you remember the TV deal, Fox is going to have the big noon game as they've had it. CBS is going to eventually take over the 330 time slot. The SEC will move to ESPN. And then NBC will have the primetime game. For NBC, they see it as very symbiotic. We have Sunday night football. Now we are going to have Saturday night Big Ten football. We are the network of primetime football. There's just one problem. The Big Ten, because of a variety of factors, including weather and travel, has never played night games after November 1st. And so the issue has become that these schools were not made aware that they are going to have to participate in night games all season long. And some of them are not very happy about it. Most notably, you know who the three schools are that are not happy about playing night games in late November and early December. Oh, your three biggest brands, Ohio state, Penn state and Michigan. So the three biggest brands don't want to play. Now they may still play, but they don't want to play. And then finally, so remember, You owe the NBC $40 million because you promised them a game that you can't deliver on. You owe Fox $25 million. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State might not play night games after November 1st. And then on top of that, the the, the basketball coaches, excuse me, aren't happy because now a lot of their games are going to go from linear TV, the ESPNs and FS1s of the world and CBSs of the world, to a lot of streaming games during the season. And so Tom Izzo is spearheading the basketball coaches that are not happy at all with the setup for basketball. So besides the fact that you owe one of your TV partners $40 million, you owe another TV partner $25 million, you have three prominent brands that don't want to play night games for a third of the season, and you pissed off all your basketball coaches. Other than that, no real problems with this new TV contract. The ironic part, of course, is that the Big Ten's problems pale in comparison to the problems of one of their new members, the USC Trojans. Fight on to victory. 
fight on for all to see. Sounds good. Maybe not for me, but just sounds good in general. And USC is a great school with a great brand. And I think they're going to do, I I think it's going to be fun to watch them in football compete with Ohio State, Penn State, et cetera. The problem is they will be doing it without the man that led them into the Big Ten. That man is Mike Bone. He is the AD that convinced Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma for USC and convinced, well, he didn't convince, he decided that USC was leaving the big, the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, putting the future of the Pac-12 in balance. Well, on Friday, about 2 o'clock Pacific time, maybe 1, 1 Pacific, I know because I was grabbing my dog from doggy daycare when I saw it happen. I bring it up because Mike Bone resigned, or he quote-unquote retired effective immediately as the AD at USC. What was interesting about it was some of the verbiage in it. Now, he said that he is retiring in part because of health problems and to spend more time with his family. And if he does have any health problems, it goes without saying, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope for a speedy recovery, all of that. There's just one problem, is that shortly after he resigned, the school president put out a statement saying that saying nothing about health problems and saying that she accepted his resignation because they had done an internal review of the athletic department. They were not happy with some of the things that they found and that they needed new leadership going into the next generation of USC athletics. Shortly thereafter, the LA times published multiple stories, not only on Friday, but over the course of the weekend, alleging that Mike Bone the USC athletic director, and this is all allegations, um, was kind of basically had a hostile workplace environment, especially towards women. He commented about their dress, their attire, their weight, um, things that just no one should be doing in a workplace in 2023. And so first off, again, it's all allegations. We don't know anything. But the one thing I can tell you is this, is that I've been covering college sports a long time. And whenever news comes out on Friday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific, and whenever somebody leaves effective immediately, that's never good. That is never good. And so I think USC is going to have itself a a, just a, a real situation on its hands administratively. One, they have to find a new athletic director to bring them in to the next generation of USC athletics. But beyond that, they have to do it while there may be another internal issue. And remember, this is a school that's had administration, had admissions problems. They've had uh, 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 athletic administration problems. The football program's been a mess forever pre-Lincoln Riley. So it's just another crazy, crazy, crazy story at USC. Now, in the big picture, let's talk a little reaction. That's what happened. That was a long way of setting up what happened. And I think in the smaller micro picture it's not that big of a deal right like like the big 10 is going to figure out a way to pay their tv partners and i'm sure at some point ohio state and michigan will acquiesce and they'll play night games late in the season and usc is going to find another athletic director and i think as long as they have lincoln riley to me they will be a very prominent football team i don't know if they'll be able to go to the big 10 and, and win big 10 championships whatever but the point i'm trying to make is those problems will get resolved But in the bigger picture, I will say this. This weekend for the Big Ten, the mess that Kevin Warren created for his 16 schools that he no longer represents and USC having to fire its AD, it did teach me and it did remind me of one very important lesson, a lesson that I have tried to tell you guys and girls again and again and again and again and again. It is that. The people that are in charge of college athletics do not care about you as a consumer, your school, your coaches, your athletes, nearly as much as you do. And be careful who you trust and be careful who you praise in college athletics, because just think about it at the most basic level. I think you can argue that USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten was the most seismic move in my lifetime. I'm in my late 30s, mid to late 30s now. I'm not quite 40. I'm not there yet. Not even close. 
But so my 32, 33 years of watching college sports, I believe you can argue USC and UCLA to the Big Ten is the most seismic move in in my lifetime in college sports. It puts the future of the Pac-12 at risk. It puts the ACC now, we talked last week, is trying to get out of it, out of their current situation. The Big 12 is kind of this middle ground. Everybody that's not in one of the two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, is scrambling. Well, think about who made those decisions and where they are now. Of the three most prominent people that made those decisions, Kevin Warren, USC Athletic Director Mike Bone, UCLA's Athletic Director Martin Jarman. Two of them are no longer in their positions. Kevin Warren is, at best, a liar, a pathological over-deliverer, under, uh, over-seller, under-deliverer. And Mike Bone, while it's all allegations, is an alleged you know, harasser of women. Those are the people that shook up college sports forever. And so it goes back to what I have told you guys and girls so many times. Listen, I don't blame USC and UCLA for leaving. I don't blame Oklahoma and Texas for leaving for the Big 12. I don't blame Cincinnati and Houston and all them for leaving for the for the Big 12 either. By the way, I think I said Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the Big 12. They're obviously leaving for the SEC. But what I will tell you is what I tell you all the time. Think about it at the most basic level. Who actually benefits from all of these seismic decisions that are being made in college sports? Well, it's not the players. Players are going to be flying all over the country. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody at one of the two schools last week uh, that are going to be going to the Big Ten, USC and UCLA. They have no idea what they're going to do. But it's not just about football. Think about all the other sports. I mean, basketball plays 20 league games. That means 10 league road games, which means at minimum, you're probably making four or five trips across country for basketball. It's the same with softball. It's the same with track and field. It's the same with baseball. It's the same with lacrosse. It's the same with soccer. And I don't know what sports UCLA and USC have, but the bottom line is it's clearly not about the student athletes. I don't think it's about the coaches. Now you could say, don't feel bad for the millionaire old guys that are getting paid. And I, and I agree with that to, to a degree. What I'd also say though, is Mick Cronin's job did not get easier going to the big 10. Uh, Lincoln Riley's job did not get easier going to the big 10. Obviously Andy Enfield, Chip Kelly, it's the same. And so now, Chip Kelly, it's hard enough to fill the Rose Bowl, and we'll get to the the fan aspect in a minute. It's hard enough to build a winner at UCLA to begin with when you're the second-best team in town. Now you got to go and compete with not only Lincoln Riley, but Ryan Day, uh, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Matt Rule at Nebraska, Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin. And if you get fired, you get fired. They don't care about you. They just want wins. They didn't consult you. They didn't ask you. They don't care about your opinion. And even the fans, I get it. It'd be another good home game or two on the schedule, but at what cost? Does it make it easier for your team to win championships? I say this all the time. I use the Herm Edwards quote, you play to win the game. Well, it's not going to, listen, schedule is going to be better, no doubt. But are you going to win at a higher level at UCLA or USC? I don't know. I don't think so. Does it put you in better position to win championships? I don't know. Now, financially, you're stable, but what's the point of having all that money? Doesn't help you as the fan, doesn't help the players, doesn't help whatever. Know who it helps? The AD, who agreed to it. In this case, Mike Bone, and of course, Kevin Warren. And so really, if you think about it at the most basic level, this move, who benefited and what are the risks for them? Well, Kevin Warren benefited. Because he got himself a new job out of it. He's now back in the NFL where he wants to be. I don't think he ever wanted to be in college in the first place. I think he took that Big Ten job to leverage to get back in the NFL. So when the, the when it's time to pay the piper, when it's time to deal with the consequences of this, whatever those consequences may be, and we don't know what they will be, but there are going to be logistical issues trying to run 20-plus sports with a league that spans from Piscataway, New Jersey, where Rutgers is, to Los Angeles, where UCLA and USC are, there's going to be issues. Not Kevin Warren's problem. He doesn't care. He got paid. He got a job he wanted. He's out. Mike Bone doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, he got he resigned. He retired. But he'll, he'll bounce back, assuming there's no serious health issues. He'll get some consulting gig. He'll get a nice little six-figure something doing something. But what about USC? What about the bills? What about the athletes? What about the travel? What about when 
UCLA basketball. They went, you know, UCLA basketball went 18 and two in the Pac-12 this year. You think UCLA fans are going to accept Mick Cronin going 12 and eight, which is a really good record, all things considered, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now in the Big Ten? So I'm not going to belabor the point. All I'm going to say is that as time goes on, just remember this conversation. And the next time there's realignment, just remember this. I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I think about this. We talked about last week with UConn, my alma mater, considering the Big 12. What if the ACC calls? And I've thought about it. I really respect the administration at UConn. I really do. I think they've done an incredible job given the circumstances around the program. But if the big, if they move to the Big 12 eventually and it doesn't work out, they're not going to be there to deal with the consequences. We as fans will be there. We as fans will have to deal with whatever the fallout is. The administration won't be. The coaches will eventually leave. So it's just something to think about. Crazy week for the Big Ten, but it's a reminder. Be careful who you trust. Just because something sounds good, it might not be as good as it actually is. And finally, most importantly, be careful who you trust. And remember, the powers that be in college sports don't care about your team nearly as much as you do. All right, so I'm going to do take a quick break. When I come back, that was great for a second, by the way. Woo, what a segment. Come back. That's what we're going to do. Talk about Keisha Johnson, forward from San Diego State, one of the top players still in the portal. He committed to Arizona. We are going to start with the Arizona perspective, what it means for Tommy Lloyd and his crew. Take a quick break. We'll come back and hit on the Kentucky aspect of it as well. Take a quick break. Be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here, and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears from the big 30,000 foot view conversations in college sports to something a little bit more nitty gritty, but also something that we love this time of year, baby. Say it with me now. Yes, I am, of course, talking about the college hoops transfer portal. By now, you know the deal. We've been talking about it since. Before the season even ended, basically since the portal opened in mid-March, and it is starting to come down the home stretch. However, there are still a few impact players in the portal, and I do think maybe middle of this week we'll kind of just look at who's still available, what the best options are for them, all that good stuff. But instead, I do want to focus on one player that was in the portal that ended up committing this weekend. His name is Keisha Johnson was a starting forward on this year's national runners-up, the San Diego State Aztecs. We actually talked about him a lot last week as it pertained to Kentucky. Kentucky desperate for players out of the portal. Oh, we're going to talk about Kentucky down the road. However, Keisha Johnson did not commit to Kentucky on Saturday. Instead, he did make his portal announcement down to Arizona, those Kentucky Wildcats, Texas Tech and Oklahoma. USC was also a finalist, but they took DJ Rodman, the son of Dennis Rodman, a few days ago, so they were out of the running. But I bring it up because on Saturday, Keisha Johnson announced where he is going to finish his college career. And drumroll, please. Keisha Johnson is headed to the University of Arizona. Bear the F down. Tommy Lloyd does it again, baby. So let's get into it. Let's break it down. And by the way, if you're a Kentucky fan, we're going to do a separate segment on what you guys need to do here in a minute because Kentucky's got a lot of work to do to fill out their roster, and it is late May. But from the Arizona perspective, I do want to talk about it. And I want to talk a lot about what I talked about last week when I was talking about Keisha Johnson potentially going to Kentucky. Because to me, a lot of the same things that he would have brought to those other Wildcats is what he is going to bring to Arizona. Arizona right now, I I like their group, and we're going to get into their group in a minute, but there were a lot of things that they needed, and Keisha Johnson Tech checks a lot of boxes for them. The first thing, I think they need a little bit of toughness, and this was something, if you follow Arizona basketball, if you talk to their media members, you talk to their fans, this was a sentiment coming out of last season is the last two years, they've gotten to the tournament, they've had high seeds, they've won the games they're supposed to in the regular season, but when push comes to shove, they just don't have those dudes that are like, give me the ball and get out of the way, or I'm going to make a play, or I'm physically and mentally tougher than you. Well, Keisha Johnson is that. Tough kid from Oakland, four-year college player, 70-plus games started. This guy has seen it and done it all mental toughness, physical toughness. And I would say for an Arizona team, the last couple of years under Tommy Lloyd, we know what that brand has been. It's been a lead offense. They've been one of the leading scoring teams in college basketball each of the last two years. I don't know that the defense has been where it needed to be though. Well, Keisha Johnson's the guy that can change that in the same way that he would have changed it if he had gone anywhere. 
six foot nine, super athletic, can guard multiple positions, and is just like like he's just the kind he's just kind of guy every team wants, right? Big, tough, athletic, physical. Um, I think it's important to note at San Diego State he played a role. Now we talked about it last week. I think he's looking for a little bit of a bigger role, which is part of why he left San Diego State. But at San Diego State, that is a program that is a sum is greater than the parts kind of group. Uh, 11, 12 guys play. And so, yes, Keyshawn Johnson is looking for a place where he can play more than 22 minutes per game, where he can average more than seven and a half points per game like he did this year. But don't let those stats get it twisted. This kid can play. This kid's an athlete. This kid is really good. And I believe he is going to have an instant impact at Arizona, but also not one of those guys as a transfer that is going to come in and start demanding stuff, demanding shots, demanding minutes, demanding playing time, demanding whatever. He's been part of a successful team, successful program. He has sacrificed, and obviously he's looking for a bigger role, but I believe he's coming to Arizona ready to be part of something bigger than him and compete for another national championship. By the way, that's even just pretty cool to say. When you bring a a guy into a program that's already played for a national championship, that could potentially do that for your program. That's a pretty big deal. Now, as far as Arizona is concerned, let's talk about that team. Because I'll be blunt. I really, really, really like their group next year. Now, it's not perfect. And I do think there's probably one more spot to fill. But it was a slow start to the offseason for Arizona. And even as recently as like three or four weeks ago, I think there were some real concerns about how they were going to fill out their roster. Kirk Creasa, their starting point guard, decided to transfer. Some of their backups, Adama Ball, a few other guys decided to transfer. Azulis Tubelis, who was the Pac-12 player of the year runner-up, first team, second team All-American, depending on where you were looking, decides to enter the NBA draft and basically makes it clear he's not coming back. And so you looked at this roster and you started to worry about, like, are they going to be able to feel a competitive team? It was interesting. When I put together my way-too-early top 25, before Creasa and Tubelis left, I believe I had them at, I don't know, probably 10, 11, something like that. Then both of them left, and I dropped them down to probably in the, the mid to low 20s, like 23, 24. Well, now I think they're back inside the top 20, and here's why. Here's what ha- it, 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 Keish- what is around Keisha Johnson. Kylan Boswell, former five-star uh, guard. Played last year at Arizona. Arizona fans know this. He was only 17 years old as a freshman last year. And I'm smiling as I say it because they talked about it multiple times on every broadcast. Oh, do you know Kylan Boswell is 17 years old? Yeah, we we all we all kind of know it. So Kylan Boswell is your point guard. Don't know if he'll be as good as Kirk Risa, but it's a step up in athleticism. It's a step up in skill level. And his ceiling is higher than Kirk Risa, who was a really good point guard who decided to transfer. You also added in this offseason, Jaden Bradley, transfer from Alabama. I really like him. He started really well at Alabama, did not finish strong. But this is the kind of player, former McDonald's All-American, who I believe can be developed into a really good college basketball player. Super athletic, super quick, super up and down, can play on the ball, can be your one, can play off the ball, can be a two. You also have Pella Larson, who's coming back, who's kind of a a hybrid 3-4 guy that can handle the ball, shoot, do this, do that. And then Umar Balo, your center. But what I like about this group, it is very much a Tommy Lloyd-type team where you got guys that can get up and down, you got guys that can fill up the basket. And I think the one thing that this program wanted to address this offseason, get more athletic, and that is what they've done. Kylan Boswell is a step up athletically from what they had with Kirk Risa. Keyshaw Johnson, they did not have a guy like him last year. Jaden Bradley is an elite athlete who I think is going to develop into a very good basketball player. Now, this roster isn't quite done yet. I would think you would want to add maybe one more shooter because Keyshaw Johnson and Jaden Bradley are not elite three-point shooters by any stretch. But other than that, I really like this group. And you look at, by the way, the Pac-12, and we just talked about the the falling apart Pac-12 in the last segment. But USC is going to be really good. But UCLA loses basically everybody. And after those three, I mean, who else in the Pac-12? Washington stinks. I don't trust Oregon. Arizona State stinks. Stanford, we'll see. I actually like the group that Cal is putting together. Remember, Cal hired Mark Madsen, the former NBA player, the former Stanford player. I like his group. There's not very much to like in the Pac-12, and so I think Arizona 
is slowly making moves. Finally, lastly, let me give credit to Tommy Lloyd, the Arizona head coach, because I will say this. I know that there were a lot of Arizona fans that were worried about the state of things with Tommy Lloyd and not with Tommy Lloyd, not with the coach, but with the roster. As of three or four weeks ago, you had two, three starters and there wasn't that much else. A lot of questions, a lot of concerns. Why aren't we closing on guys in the portal? We talked about it when Ryan Nemhard committed to Gonzaga over Arizona. Everybody was freaking out. I was freaking out too. I said it, said it's not a good look. Well, to his credit, he rallied. And this just might be who he is because last offseason, it took a while, but they eventually got a commitment from Courtney Ramey late. They eventually got a commitment from Cedric Henderson late. And now fast forward. In mid-May, they get Jaden Bradley. In mid-May, they get Keyshaw Johnson. And I once again like this Arizona basketball team. So what I'll do, take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to look at it from the other perspective. The runner-up, Kentucky. As much as I like Arizona, I am worried about Kentucky, which has a very thin roster right now for late for late May. Going to take a quick break, discuss them. Be right back. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears. And I do want to talk about the Keisha Johnson commitment from a different perspective. Okay. So we just talked about Keisha Johnson committing to Arizona, what it means for the Wildcats, what it means, the Arizona Wildcats, that is, uh, what it means for their season ahead, how good they can be, all that good stuff. I bring it up to say, though, that there is another very interesting perspective on the Keisha Johnson commitment, and it comes from the school that's perceived to have finished in second place. So I often say that sometimes in sports, when we talk about games, wins, losses, the more interesting story is often in the losing locker room. And I think in the case of Keisha Johnson, the more interesting story might be not with Arizona and the impact that he can have there but with the school that is the perceived runner-up in his services. I am, of course, talking about the University of Kentucky, which we don't know for sure was the second team, but he took a visit to Kentucky. Kentucky rolled out the red carpet for him. Kentucky fans, by all accounts, really wanted this guy. And instead, Kentucky falls short. And with it, in an offseason where Calipari had to hit home run after home run after home run, it is yet another disappointment in what is a very frustrating offseason. And so I want to break it all down, but I will tell you this, Kentucky fans. I told you about four or five weeks ago, John Calipari had to be more aggressive. John Calipari couldn't wait in the transfer portal. You guys, not all of you, but a lot of you came after me. Torres, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, apparently I do. And it is now late May. And Kentucky is very much scrambling. So let's get into it. And and with Keisha Johnson and from the Kentucky perspective, again, we just hit on the Arizona perspective, but from the Kentucky perspective, I I would argue you, you can't call this like a colossal failure by the coaching staff because I don't believe at any point this kid was perceived to be a Kentucky lean. In a lot of ways, I think they did a good job of making up ground with Keisha Johnson because the perception publicly was that Arizona was always the school to beat. I had heard that maybe he even made a silent commitment to them, but to Kentucky's credit, they got him on campus. The visit went well by all accounts. And I do think that for a moment in time, Keisha Johnson did seriously consider going to Kentucky at the same time, though, they don't get him. And it is crushing in my opinion, for two reasons. One, he's kind of just the guy that they needed. And it was interesting, right? Because when his recruitment really picked up about two, three weeks ago, I said, like, Kentucky, this is the guy, If Kentucky fans, this is the guy that you want. And the first blush was, oh, he averaged this many points per game. And he's, this. and then I think Kentucky fans kind of looked into him. And they saw that, frankly, I was right. He's big. He's athletic. He guards his butt off. He's a veteran. 70-plus college starts at this point. Played in a Final Four. Played for a national championship. And so as time went on, Kentucky fans started to see what I saw in him in that this was the perfect fit, the perfect player, the perfect this, the perfect that. Not that he was going to come in and be a 20-point-per-game scorer, but that he had the experience, the toughness, the physicality, the defensive chops to be a really good player for Kentucky. So you can't call it a colossal failure that they didn't get him, 
But at the same time, this was the guy that they needed. And this specifically is why Kentucky, they're in scramble mode right now, okay? It is because without Keyshawn Johnson, as of right now, as I record in late night, May 21st, 2023, so you can listen the morning of Monday, May 22nd, 2024, 2023, whatever. Point I'm trying to make. It's May 21st as I record. And as of right now, here's Kentucky's current 2023-2024 roster. As I record right now, they have seven total players, five true freshmen, two sophomores who barely played, one played one game total after SEC play started. So going into the year in college, going into a a year in college basketball that because of the COVID waiver will be older than college basketball has ever been before. In a year with where experience clearly matters. In a season where UConn and Miami and San Diego State and all these older veteran teams made a Final Four. Kentucky right now has seven total players, five freshmen, two sophomores, meaning they need... Three more commitments, whether it's players withdrawing from the NBA draft or commitments via the portal or high school. They need three more commitments just to be able to run five on five in practice. That's where we are on May 21st. And so this is just a this is just such a frustrating offseason. And where I want to go now is Kentucky fans. I tried to warn you about this. I tried to tell you that John Calipari was moving too slow, and you guys and girls, not all of you, but some of you, you didn't want to listen. I tried to tell you this was going to happen. I tried to tell you this was going to be an issue, and nobody wanted to hear it, okay? I want to read you a tweet that I sent out on April 5th, 2023, okay? It was shortly after the Final Four when the transfer portal was really humming, and there were quite a number of players in the portal and quite a number of players who had already been contacted. Some players had already committed by this point. So I sent out this tweet on the day that Agana Onyenso actually entered the transfer portal. Now, the good news for Kentucky, he's one of those sophomores on this roster. He ended up going into the portal and then coming back. But why I bring it up, here is a tweet that I sent on April 5th. That's now six, seven weeks ago at this point, 2023. I said, former five-star Ugana Onyenso will transfer from Kentucky. Add that in with UK essentially not being active in the craziest portal cycle ever. And it seems like John Calipari's entire offseason plan is pray our freshman class next year is really, really good. Now, at the time, I didn't think very much of it when I sent it. Um, I basically was saying, look, Kentucky, John Calipari, you got to get more active in the transfer portal. Kentucky fans didn't really want to hear it, though. So I looked at that tweet on Saturday after Keisha Johnson did not commit. After Kentucky is, is now in a situation where they have seven scholarship players on May 21st, here are some of the responses that I got from Kentucky fans that day. Travis Peake said, I'll defer to you since you know every single thing that the Kentucky staff is doing and who they're talking to. Linda Chase responded to that tweet. Exactly. He acts like he knows what the coaching staff is doing. It's already been said that they've reached out to other players, so I say Torres doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. Coach Junior1 underscore on Twitter says, bro has no sources, LOL. Anthony Giorgio says, UK has been a lot more active with the portal than you think. Should I keep going? I'll read you a few more. Underscore Vince Kelly says, this is just a stupid take. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. I guarantee Cal has a short list of what he wants and not everyone has entered the portal yet. Finally, Brent Lamb said, Calipari literally said two weeks ago that the portal for them was two weeks away. He said there will be many more players opting for the portal than what was happening a month ago. Those were just some of the tweets that I got on that day, and I'm not rereading them to pat myself on the back. I'm not rereading them to say I was right and you were wrong. Why I am rereading them is because whether you're a Kentucky fan, a UConn fan, a Louisville fan, a St. John's fan, a whoever fan, I don't want any program to fail, especially the big ones. Kentucky, Big Blue Nation, 
is one of the biggest, probably the biggest, if most passionate fan base in college basketball. It is good for me when Kentucky basketball is good. And so I bring it up because when I say something like that, it's not because I want the downfall of your program. It's because I am trying to warn you that your coach is not being active enough. And so with it, what I want to do now is explain why I sent out the tweet and why John Calipari is failing Kentucky basketball fans right now. And you know my stance. I don't call for Calipari to be fired. I don't say he's the worst thing ever. I I, I think there were uh, one or two things goes another way. Kentucky is not nearly at, like this off. This season wasn't as bad as people think. Okay. But why I bring it up when I sent out that tweet, it wasn't because I'm a hater. It isn't because I'm rooting against your program. It is because I am trying to tell you how things work in the transfer portal. And one thing that I think is important to clarify, important to explain, and I don't think John Calipari has fully figured this out yet. Portal recruiting is very, 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 very different than high school basketball recruiting. Okay. And this is what I think Calipari is missing now. And this is what I think he was missing back in early April. Portal recruiting, let's go to high school recruiting first, okay? High school recruiting is really, it is a two, three-year build in terms of relationships. You watch a kid as a sophomore. More realistically, you probably watch him as a junior. You're impressed. You offer him a scholarship at one of these EYBL or Adidas 3, whatever, one of these events. You have a coach there. You offer the player. Then he sends out the tweet. He's so happy. He shares your logo. And then from there, things kind of slow down. At some point in the fall, you plan a visit. He goes through his junior year. And then his senior year, you have him on campus for an official visit. He commits. Mom and dad are there. He puts on the hat. Everybody has a great time. That is like a two and a half year process. At the very least, it is an 18 month process from the time that the school has determined that you are good enough to play for them, usually until a player commits. Most of the best players do not commit until their senior year of high school the summer before, going in, the fall of, the winter of, okay? Transfer portal recruiting is very different. First off, if we're being perfectly honest, most players, before they enter the portal, kind of have an idea of where they're probably going to go or at least of schools that they're interested in. As a matter of fact, a lot of players, a lot of people think it's this tampering thing. Sometimes it's the exact opposite. Sometimes it's somebody for the player reaching out to a school that the player is interested in saying, hey, if we got in the portal, would you have a spot for us? And so oftentimes players go into the portal knowing either where they're going to go or where one of the favorites is. And then once they get in the portal, everybody has access to them. Sometimes they end up at the spot. Sometimes they don't. But in general, for most players, they enter the portal. Then there's an insane wave of contact. That's when they get the 100 calls and the 40 offers and whatever. And then they take a visit or two. And then they usually commit. Now, there is always an exception to the rule. But what Hunter Dickinson did this year is not normal. What Hunter Dickinson did entering the portal final four weekend, I think it was like March 29th when he entered. He committed like May 7th. Usually it's not a five, six week period. Usually. It's because players of Hunter Dickinson's caliber do not enter. And so because of it, because of it, most players, it's really a two-week window. They enter the portal, crazy rush of contact, narrow the list down to two or three schools, take two or three visits, and they're usually committed like 10 days after they enter the portal. Go ahead and look it up, pick the player. Most players, they're not in the portal for that long, make a commitment. And so that's where I think that's where I thought Calipari was failing before. And that's where I think he's failing now is at the end of the day, you cannot wait two weeks to reach out, three weeks to reach out, two weeks to reach out. And then maybe you set up a bit. No, everything moves fast and you have to be active. Okay. I'll give you a quick example of how fast things move at the final four this year. I saw a current big 12 head coach that I know not going to name names. There's only 10 of them, whatever. But I was joking with him. I said, I, I saw him at, at an event and I said, man, did you take five minutes away from the portal to uh, to come hang out here? And he kind of laughed and said, dude, he's like, you take 10 minutes away, you miss a lot. Now, the final four was a dead period. You couldn't have kids on campus, whatever. 
But I bring it up because he's like, literally, you step away for half an hour, there's 50 new names. And so the best staffs, they have guys that are constantly checking and then constantly communicating, hey, this guy just entered. Hey, that guy just entered. Hey, what about this guy? And then from there, you reach out, you determine if he's good enough, you determine if he's the right fit, and you bring him on campus. You don't wait and wait and wait and then reach out. And then, and then, and it's like, and you can sit here and say, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll give you an example from last week. There was a player named Chad Baker Mazzaro, ironically, who also played at San Diego State a few years ago. He's a JUCO kid now, so it's not apples to apples, but he had already taken visits. He had already narrowed his list down to two or three. And then it gets out that Kentucky reached out to him as he's getting ready to make a commitment. And Kentucky fans got a little excited. And what do I need to know about this guy? And then boom, he commits to Auburn. You can't do that if you're Kentucky. And so this is my one thing. I'm not saying you have to recruit 40 guys in the portal. I'm not saying you have to get everybody. But as John Calipari likes to say, he tells his players all the time, I'll let you shoot shots. You can't, you don't have to make all of them, but you can't miss all of them too. And that's where he's at in recruiting. I'm not saying you got to get all these guys in the portal, but you can't miss on all of them either. And you can't get to them after they're already making their decision. You can't wait two weeks to reach out. You can't wait two weeks to vet. You got to be on the phone that day, figuring out, is this guy good enough? Is he the right fit? Is he willing to play a role? Is he this? Is he that? And then you figure it out. Two more thoughts on Kentucky before we get out of here and switch gears to the crazy USC story from the weekend. One, I don't know what Kentucky does from here. Now, I guess you could say the good news is, is that a couple of things. One, the portal is sort of closed, but not really. One, there are still some good players in the portal. Arthur Kaluma from Creighton averaged 13 points per game last year. Didn't have a great combine. I think if Keyshaw Johnson doesn't go to Arizona... This kid probably goes to Arizona, Kentucky. That's got to be their number one call. Get him on the phone today. Don't wait. Don't evaluate. Don't hesitate. Get him on the phone today and get him. There are other good players as well. I'm not going to go through every player in the portal. I ranked them on Friday, the best players available on Friday. If you want to go to Aaron Torres online, and we'll probably do a best players available video on YouTube at some point this week. There are still good players available and there will be more players entering because remember, If you're an undergrad, you had to enter by May 11th. But if you're a grad transfer, you could still enter. Now, there is this prevailing, pervasive opinion, prevailing opinion, I don't know. There's this opinion out there that there's going to be this crazy wave of grad transfers and blah, 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 blah. That I don't see. I think we could get some. I don't think we'll get many. So they got to act quick. They got to hope some good players enter the portal as grad transfers. And they also got to now hope at the NBA draft deadline that things break their way. I know Kentucky fans know this, but currently three players in the transfer portal or in the uh, testing the NBA draft waters that could come back. One, Antonio Reeves, I think probably will. Sharpshooter, 37 points at Bud Walton last year. The other two, I'm not so sure on. Chris Livingston starting forward. I don't see it. I, I don't know why he's so adamant that he has to go pro. He might go undrafted. At best, he's a late second rounder, but he seems intent on staying in. And then Oscar Shibwe. And it is interesting because I remember doing a video on Oscar Shibwe, doing a, a segment on Oscar Shibwe, probably right around that April 5th, April 6th. And most Kentucky fans were like, we love Oscar, but it's time for him to move on. Now you kind of sort of need him. And to take it a step further, you need him and like three commitments after him just so you can run five on five. Finally, let me add one last thought because I know I'm going to get it if I don't mention it. Got a lot of this from Kentucky fans. Kentucky fan, well, you know, I mean, the only reason we lost them is because of NIL. And for people who don't know, we've talked about this a million times. But as I've said many times, there are really two schools of thought with NIL. There's one, the collective-based model of, hey, our boosters raise a bunch of money, put it in a pot, and we distribute it. By technicality, that's called pay for play. By technicality, that's illegal. By technicality, whatever. But increasingly, more schools are just like, nobody's going to police this, so this is how we're going to do it. There are still some schools like Kentucky, though, that are not making guarantees, that are not saying, if you come here, we're going to give you a baseline of this. What they're telling players is instead, if you come here, you can make up to this much. This is what our players made last year. 
And so I bring it up because when Kentucky lost Keyshawn Johnson, I saw a lot of Kentucky fans say, well, it's only because of NIL. And we're not promising anything. And this is why we're losing on everybody. Kentucky fans, I'm just here to tell you, if that's really how you feel, I I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's not a good look. Okay, let me explain why that's absurd. First of all, I guarantee you, I promise you, Keisha Johnson's best NIL offer wasn't from Arizona. Arizona's not as advanced in NIL as everybody thinks, but here, let's take it a step further. Let's say I know nothing about NIL. Now, I know for a fact his best offer was not from Arizona. It wasn't from Kentucky either. I won't say who, but I know for a fact Arizona was not his best NIL offer, okay? But let's work under the assumption that I had no idea that. Let's use some common sense. If Arizona had crazy NIL money to give out and they're just throwing around money left and right, then why are they scrambling to fill their roster like Kentucky is right now? Oh, it's because their NIL program isn't great. So that's one. I know for a fact Keisha Johnson's biggest NIL offer was not from Arizona. Oh, by the way, I know for a fact that Baylor Shireman last year, another player Kentucky fans complained about NIL with, his biggest offer was not from Creighton where he ended up committing. Hunter Dickinson, that might be a different story. We'll get to him in a minute. Two, when I hear Kentucky fans say, well, you know, transfers only want the biggest bag. A couple things stand out. One, you understand how many players entered the portal, right? There's something like 2,000 players entered the portal. And you mean to tell me that because of NIL, Kentucky couldn't land a single one since the portal opened over two months ago? And if you want to tell me, well, they're not all good enough to play Kentucky. Okay, I get it. Let's say 10% are good enough to play Kentucky. That seems like a reasonable number, right? That's still 200 players. And you can't convince one to come? You can't convince one to come to campus. Come on now, Kentucky, you're Kentucky. You're the gold standard. This is what your coach tells us. You're the gold standard. You're this, you're that. You're the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Notre Dame football of college basketball. You can't get one transfer because of NIL. I'm sorry. I'm going crazy here, but it's dry. These concepts, these things that people come up with drive me crazy. And lastly, let me say this about NIL. Do I think NIL is a factor in a lot of recruitments? I think it's a factor in every recruit. Every single one. I I really do. At the same time, though, let me also say this. I don't believe that for most student athletes, for most players, whether it's high school or the portal, I do not believe it is the biggest factor in their decisions. Now, are there some, especially transfers, whose biggest payday in basketball may be through NIL? I think there's some players who literally are making a decision solely on NIL. I don't think it's the vast majority, though. Let's use an example. What did I just say about Hunter Dickinson? We all followed his recruitment. We all believe, because multiple reports seem to indicate, that he went into every meeting and said, look, I need NIL money, and this is going to be a big part of my decision. I bring it up to say this. If Kansas wasn't coached by a Hall of Famer, if Hunter Dickinson didn't give Kansas a chance, if if Kansas didn't give Hunter Dickinson a chance to win a national championship, if it didn't give him a chance to develop under one of the best coaches in the history of college basketball, do you think Hunter Dickinson would have gone to Kansas? Because I guarantee if it was just about NIL, if Hunter Dickinson just put out a tweet, I'm open for bids, highest bidder, I'm coming to you. You don't think Hunter Dickinson would have gone somewhere else? You don't think somebody else could have came up with more money than Kansas? I'm not going to name schools, but we could probably figure out who. If Hunter Dickinson just said, whatever it takes, start sending numbers. I'm going to be like a, a, a foreign baseball player. Submit numbers in an envelope. My agent will open them. Highest bidder wins my services. Somebody could have done better than Kansas. So to, to say that Kansas only got Hunter Dickinson because of NIL, it's ridiculous. I don't think anybody would believe that. So why would that be the case for Keisha Johnson or for this guy or for that guy? I could go on and on. I believe NIL is a factor for every single recruit. I don't believe it's the only factor for most of them. I don't believe it was the only factor for Keisha Johnson. Comes down to all the stuff it comes down to for every recruit. Playing time, opportunity, coaching staff. How am I going to be used? Do I have a chance to win? And your NIL better, better be pretty good as well. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. 
Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. By the way, we will probably do a mailbag on Wednesday's show. So send in your questions, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Aaron Torres on YouTube, closing in on 23,000 subscribers there. So I appreciate all your support. That is all for today's show. Again, time for me to get out of here. Good news. I'll be back on Wednesday, baby. Shout out to Torrent Crank. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice, and she sure does hate it. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode. Aaron Torres, Sports Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus